A few years ago, Joseph Price was leading a family history activity for about 800 young single adults on BYU campus. He had them pull out their phones and open Relatives Around Me on the Family Tree app. This is a tool that compares your family tree with the family trees of nearby people who are also on the app to find out if and how you're connected. And it was awesome. But we did discover that there were some people in the room that didn't have any relatives in the room. And it was our international students and it was also our African-American students. The coverage for white people was like 72%. The coverage for black people was 5%. So as someone who cares about social justice and inequality, we, as a lab, just decided to work on that. The lab he's talking about is called the Record Linking Lab, where Price and 50 undergrads use advanced technology for family history research. The lab got right to work developing a tool that so far has added 6 million African Americans to the family tree with the help of artificial intelligence. Welcome to the Why Magazine podcast, bringing you ideas, stories, and voices from Brigham Young University. I'm Whitney Singley Archibald, and today we're going to talk to Dr. Joseph Price, an economics professor and the director of the Record Linking Lab at BYU, about what this lab is, how it came to be, some of the cool projects they're working on, plus how you can get involved. And speaking of getting involved, we would love to get your input for this Why Magazine podcast as well by filling out our listener survey. What alumni, professors, or students would you love to hear from? What aspects of campus life do you want to know more about? We want to be your connection to campus, and we really listen to your feedback. You can find a link to the survey in our show notes. I love a good origin story, especially because in so many cases, there's inspiration involved. The origin of the Record Linking Lab is no exception. It all started back when Joe Price thought he had no interest in family history. I didn't do any family history for, you know, 37 years. I don't know how I went from like totally like didn't care to it being one of the most important things in my life. I was sitting in a BYU Education Week class. The spirit just touched my heart and told me to do family history. And I'd never done it before. And I went and looked for a family name, a family member I could take to the temple. And uh, I was not successful at first. It took about 20 hours. Remember the moment when I almost gave up. I was like, oh, I guess I guess there's no names left for me to do. I guess my uncle did everything. But when I finally found someone I could do temple work for, I went right away to the Provo Temple and did all their temple work, and it kind of changed my life. And so uh, ever since then, I've always loved doing family history as a hobby. And then a few years after that, I was at a conference and bumped into an old friend and asked her what she was working on, and she told me she was linking together all of the records for Ohio. That friend was Martha Bailey, who was an economics professor at the University of Michigan at the time. They started talking and realized that she could use the help of BYU students for her project. At that time, mostly it was just looking for ways to provide jobs to BYU students. I've always hired lots of students, but it was the first moment when I realized that I could combine my love for economics and family history together. The reason economists have a strong interest in these family history links is because it allows us to study migration, economic mobility. It allows us to think about how people decide who to marry, where to live what occupation to have, where to go to school. These are all economic decisions that are kind of embedded in the data we do when we do family history. And with that, the Record Linking Lab was born, a valuable addition to a whole network of family history resources on the BYU campus. The Record Linking Lab works most closely with the Family History Technology Lab, which is part of the Computer Science Department, and has developed tools such as Relative Finder, which allows you to see how you're related to different groups of people, from early members of the church to entertainers to politicians. BYU also has a family history major, a center for family history and genealogy, a family history library, 
independent study courses on family history, and several other great resources for family history. The Record Linking Lab has been a great addition to all of these family history resources. Joe Price named three main goals for the lab. Goal number one, grow the family tree. Goal number two, nourish the temple with names. And goal number three is strengthen the rising generation. So everything we do is built around one of those three things. The lab employs 50 to 60 BYU students at any given time, but Joe Price also works with 200 BYU Pathway students, mostly in Africa, and that program will soon be expanding to 400. To truly appreciate how revolutionary BYU's Record Linking Lab is, I think a little flashback is in order. When I was a kid, I would often come home from school to see my mom on the floor, surrounded by family group sheets, pedigree charts, photocopies from books and microfiche, big diagrams she'd sketched out on butcher paper, and just stacks and stacks of paper. So much paper. Eventually, not only would a computer replace my mom's massive file cabinets, but it would give her access to other people's file cabinets and to census records and countless other resources. Even better, all those records would be searchable without endlessly scrolling through microfiche. This liberated genealogists like my mother from so much of the drudgery involved in family history, freeing up their brains to do the fun and more important stuff, solving mysteries, piecing puzzles together, doing temple work. Even better, it made family history accessible to those of us who aren't experts. And now we're embarking on yet another family history breakthrough as family history meets AI. This is where BYU's record-linking lab comes in. It uses machine learning to eliminate even more of the boring, time-consuming aspects of family history, specifically digitizing and linking records, hence the name of the lab. I asked Joe Price to explain machine learning to me and how it's related to AI. So machine learning is a form of AI. Okay. Uh, and machine learning is really just any time you use training data to teach a machine how to do a task. First thing we did was teaching a machine to, to determine if two people were the same people. Okay. So I see someone in the 1910 census, and I see someone that might be them in the 1920 census, and I want the machine to make a decision about whether they're the same person. And the machine's going to take into account the names, dates, and places of that person, other people in the household. It could, in theory, use occupation or parents' place of birth. It could, whatever information is available, it will use that information to try to make a decision much the same way a human would. Uh, it just needs a lot of training data. And that's where okay. the genealogy work was helpful because we could use the genealogical decisions to inform the machine learning. Interesting. So is it getting close? Is it as accurate as humans? Um, it's getting close. So, I, I mean, I, uh, the reason I don't know how to answer that question is because I don't know how accurate <laughs> humans are. <laughs> so, right. I, it depends yeah, on the Yeah, so it depends on the human. human. <laughs> I, I think, but, but actually, I don't think it's an either or. I've, I've actually never thought of machine learning as replacing humans. I think the most exciting thing that machine learning can do is determine how difficult a task is. Oh. And it could say, this task looks really difficult. We probably shouldn't give this to a beginner. Or I could say, this task looks really easy. Let's give this to a beginner. Or this task is so easy that, in fact, we should just do it automatically and not even you know, waste the time of a human. Let's let the humans focus on things that actually take judgment and insight. And so it's really that ability to provide a recommendation system of tasks that allows us to include way more people in family history, including eight-year-olds. So, like, I don't know if people would have thought to have eight-year-olds attached yeah. to this. But if the machine can say, these are really easy, which is a lot like what, you know, Disney Plus or Netflix does. It says, hey, this, this movie's really good for a kid. This, this movie's really good for a teenager. This movie's really good for an adult. That's what we're trying to do with Record Hymns. 
Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. Um, so almost like almost like a triage. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, because like sorting you, things. Exactly, because you hate your surgeon to like have to do like really easy medical procedures. You yeah. really want someone to do the triage and then send the person to the right place. AI is not trying to replace genealogists, just to eliminate even more of the busy work, specifically indexing, which is digitizing genealogical records such as census records. No more reading old handwriting samples and entering the records manually into family search. Digitizing this process makes it much easier to fill in the family tree worldwide. This is where it gets really exciting. The Record Linking Lab is using this technology for so many cool projects. We already briefly touched on the lab's project to increase the coverage of African Americans on the tree. After that young single adult activity we talked about in the intro, the lab got to work. We were trying to inc increase the coverage of formerly enslaved people on the family tree. So in the 1870 wow. census, you can observe over 4 million formerly enslaved people. And even as late as the 1940 census, there's still 175,000 people alive that were formerly enslaved. And so in each census here, I can see people who were born prior to 1865 in one of the uh, slaveholding states. And we're just trying to make sure they're all on the tree. Mm -hmm. And so that will be generation zero and then we try to make sure their kids are on the tree. So that's generation one. And that their grandkids are on the tree, which is generation two. And then their great-grandkids are on the tree, generation three. And because my experience has been people really want to know if they have an enslaved ancestor. So yeah. they're coming from the present to the past. We're going to come from the past to the present. And by working in both directions, it's just going to be so much more effective in helping people find that connection they're trying to find. And then we've, we've expanded it out to other groups. But ultimately, we've added about 50 million people to the family. Wow. Tree. Yeah, and these are real people. And what I mean by real people is that when people now use family search for the first time and search for their grandpa uh, in the United States, they're very likely to find their grandpa. And when they find their grandpa, then they can add in photos and they can expand out. And I think some people look at the families we added to the tree and they're like, they're not perfect, and, yeah. um, but they're there. And so I think the key thing is uh, the, the coverage is the first step. And then yeah. you get the connection and then you get the content. I think I think in the near, very near future for the U.S., everyone will be on the tree. They'll all be connected together and they'll all have a photograph. That's incredible. The Record Linking Lab started by getting the 1910 census on the family tree with the goal of digitizing more and more census records until they link all 217 million people that lived in the U.S. between 1850 and 1940. Before this project, genealogists would search through census records to find specific people they were looking for. This new approach goes from the opposite direction, inputting all the names from the census into the family tree and then figuring out how to link them. The plan is to keep expanding to other countries. The Record Linking Lab decided to start with a big effort to increase the coverage in Puerto Rico, and they've been very successful. In fact, if your grandma's from Puerto Rico, you're more likely to find her on the tree than if she was from Utah. I really think in the end we're going to have something that we'll call the Human Connection Project, which will just be the whole world working together to gather the human family together. And it's going to be probably the most important scientific data set ever created. It's going to help wow. us answer so many important questions. But the neat thing is it'll be a global effort. So it'll be very similar to the Human Genome Project, where we all work together as a world to solve an important problem. I think the Human Connection Project will actually turn out to be more important. Well, and that makes so much sense because we can try and figure out how to link people in Puerto Rico, but probably an expert in Puerto Rico would have a lot more insights because they know, you know, how the records have been kept and Absolutely. they know the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we always call that the second 10x. And what I mean by 10x is when you do something 10 times faster than you have in the past. 
Got it. Okay. So the first 10x is automated methods. Uh, and so we, we have 10x Puerto Rico. The second 10x happens that once you've created a nice tree for a country, the people in that country start to use it. Huh. And so the second 10x comes in as people add in their living memories, their photos, they correct things, they add things. So I think it's a lot like Facebook. Facebook has actually done more to gather the world's memories yeah. than any archive has ever done. And how did Facebook pull this off? Well, they, you know, they built something that's kind of cool to use. Lots of people started using it. And because lots of people started using it, other people wanted to use it. So I think Family Search is very similar. They've built something that's really awesome. Almost everyone I show Family Search, they love it. Yeah. It's just not everyone's heard of it. So everyone's heard of Facebook, they haven't heard of Family Search. So I think we just need to get to that point where people know Family Search as well as they do Facebook. Well, and how cool that they'll actually find relevant data there. Because it, exactly. it's one thing to to hypothetically say, yeah, people could link their families. Yeah. But to be able to find your family the first time you go on it, that's really cool. Yeah, I call it the Uber driver test. So every Because I use Uber quite a bit or Lyft. And I always love to ask my Lyft or Uber driver if I can help them find their family. And, uh, <laughs> and if they're from the U.S., like I can do it every single time now. Though sometimes uh, I did have a driver in Houston that I couldn't find it. And he was almost begging me. He's like, well, try someone else. Like, <laughs> my, my grandpa was in the military. Does that help? <laughs> like, so, so it was just, I, I hadn't, I, I had rarely been unsuccessful, but it made me realize, I, t- I kind of taken for granted that I could provide this experience to people, at least from the yeah. U.S. Uh, now, for, the thing is, we need to do better for other countries. So if my Uber driver, like my, my last Uber driver was from Cameroon in Africa, and uh-huh. I didn't even try. I was just like, it's not going to work. Um, so we ended up just talking about his family and had a really fantastic conversation, but I couldn't give him that discovery experience. These linking and indexing projects are obviously enormous, but the lab has several other great projects going at the same time. One is what they call the Yellow Temple Project. There's a whole bunch of people on the family tree that can't have their temple work done because they're just missing one little piece of info. Maybe, uh. maybe their birthplace isn't standardized, or maybe they don't have a birth year, but there's a record attached that has it. And so we've been kind of systematically identifying um, these people that could be easily turned into green temples. And then we have an automated way of fixing some of them. And then we have lots of volunteers helping us turn those yellow temples into green temples. Another innovative and fun project is a museum project where the lab works with art museums to connect visitors to the artists. With a QR code, they can scan right at an exhibit to see if they're related to that artist. And yet another great resource the lab has created is a whole YouTube channel called BYU Record Linking Lab with videos that explain very simply and clearly how to do all sorts of family history tasks, such as finding names to take to the temple, what to do when you visit a family history center, using the Relatives Around Me tool, and even a video about making family history a part of your daily life. By now, hopefully you're wondering how you could get involved with some of the cool projects we've been talking about. Well, you're in luck because there's a whole section on the Record Linking Lab website about how you can volunteer with the lab. I think the best one that I've loved people trying out is called Five a Day. And you can sign up and every weekday in the morning, you'll get an email and it'll just have five hints you can do. And you can do them on your phone or on a computer. I tend to do them as I'm walking from my car to my office. And oh, I so just, they're that simple. They're that simple. You just, you on your yeah. phone, you click it, it pulls you right into Source Linker. You make a decision about whether it's a match, and then you just, you do the attaching. And we try to find families where someone got missed. And so it's really neat that, you know, from the walk to my car to my office, I might add five people to the tree. 
And that just always starts my day off really well. Uh, we built some buttons, which is very similar to the five a day, except you can hit that button as many times as you want. And you can pick the project you want to do. If you want to work on Puerto Rico or France or the US, you can kind of pick it. We have another one where there's a map. So you can type in your surname. You can see lots of dots on a map. You can pick the hints you want to do. Oh. But all, all of these are just designed to get you to SourceLinker because SourceLinker is that tool on family search where you attach records. But we find SourceLinker is the most powerful place where people get added to the tree because I love it when I'm working with the census record and I see the parents and two of the kids and then there's two kids more in the census record that aren't on the tree. That's probably oh, wow. like my favorite moment in family history because those are missing yeah. kids. And I, I all I have to do is just move them over and now they're part of their family and they're on the tree. And, and I've, I've actually felt so much happiness from those people when they get found. And so that, that's kind of like one of the things that motivates me to do this. And finally, as Price mentioned earlier, one of the main goals is to get youth interested and involved in family history. Well, I think the gathering of Israel has two parts to it. One is gathering people on the other side of the veil, but I think the gathering of people on this side of the veil is just as important. So one of the primary goals of our lab is to involve more people from the rising generation in family history. And I think to do that, to involve primary children, youth, young adults in family history, we have to think differently about family history. I think the motivation to find the missing or include the excluded is one of the most powerful motivating factors for our rising generation. They really care deeply about disadvantaged groups. They, they really care yeah. deeply about belonging and inclusivity. And the family tree is a place where that inclusion can happen. And uh, so like when I mentioned to them that the, there was a lot of inequality, racial inequality on the family tree, the rising generation really, you know, rose to the challenge and they played a key role in us doing that. The, a lot of the tree growth we did was using actually youth in Springville during COVID. We had youth in the center almost all, all, all the time during that summer working on that. Wow. Project. Yeah. And so I just think this like desire for belonging and inclusion and connection is super powerful for this generation. And so if we tap into that desire and connect it to family history, they're going to they're gonna do more family history than we've ever had of any generation. So then what I would say is anyone listening, yeah. if you work with youth in any capacity or you're in a ward that has youth or you know a youth, um, we would definitely love to help you set up an activity, either a ward activity, a stake activity, a YSA activity, a community activity. The tools we've created are super easy to use. With, within 10 minutes, the youth can be having a meaningful impact. And so you could plan an hour-long activity, teach them for 10 minutes. And the neat thing is you don't have to teach them everything about genealogy. You just have to teach them one thing. And then maybe for your next activity, you could teach them a different thing. But all our tools are designed to just do one, one thing at a time. Well, let's just do that. Like if I were a young woman leader, I actually yeah. am. <laughs> I would I would love a fun idea to get my youth excited about genealogy. What could I teach them? Yeah. So do you have anyone in your ward that's serving a mission right now? Yes. Where are they serving? We have one in Texas. So I would just write a letter to that missionary and say, hey, what city are you serving in right now? And then organize the youth teach them a little bit about how SourceLinker works, and then use Goldie Mae and type in the city of where that missionary is, and then just have them work on that city, and then have them write a note to the missionary explaining how they felt as they worked on it. Oh, that's a cool idea. That's one I would never have thought about. You said Goldie Mae. What is Goldie oh, Mae? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Goldie Mae is one of our partners. <laughs> and so if okay. you go to Goldie Mae and hit volunteering, it actually is a fantastic way for youth to start to learn how to be uh, good at family history. 
And then an added bonus is it'll tell you if you're related to the person. Oh, fun. Even with so much already going on, the Record Linking Lab continues to innovate and develop new projects to help move this important family history work along. I tell my students all the time, God cares about our lab. He's been there at every stage in the process. And it's really neat to be at BYU where I can tell the students, like, God will help you solve problems. We're working on some really hard problems to solve technical problems, and God will make it possible for us to solve those problems. I think about just the changes since we've been alive, like in how genealogy is done. It really is mind-blowing what we can do. Yeah, it's not just the technology that's changed. I think there's also been a change in the mindset about why we do family history. And I, I think there's some like verbiage we have that still reflects the old way of thinking. Like some people will say, hey, you messed up my tree. Uh-huh. And, you know, if we're related, I'll say, well, it's not your tree, it's our tree. But uh, <laughs> Boyd K. Packer has this quote in which he says, it is possible to love a billion people. And I actually think that's part of why we're here on earth is actually to learn to love people we're not related to, to broaden our circle of love to include more and more people. And so the more I've worked on this, I've, I've now started to always refer to it as his tree. This is Heavenly Father's tree. We're all his children. We're all brothers and sisters. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Y Magazine podcast. Our next episode will be three different stories about how alumni are serving in their communities coming March 6th. This episode was based on an article called Linking Families in the Winter 2023 issue of Y Magazine by Miriam Brantley Merrill. It was produced by me, Whitney Archibald, with executive producer Denya Palmer. Denya will be moving on to a new opportunity after this episode, so we want to give her a big thanks for all she did to get this Y Magazine podcast up and running. Thanks also to Jarrett Davis for original music, mixing, and mastering.